I know I usually save my secrets for the end of the episode, but I'm going to tell you my secret favorite candy. It's Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. It's really Reese's anything, but Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the thing that I'm like, have I had a bad day? I get these. Have I had a good day? I get these. Chocolate, salty peanut butter, the textures. I love everything about them. Also that there's two. So I'm like, oh, I get this one for later, which is one second later. Anyway, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I love you. That's all. If you're me, you can shop Reese's Peanut Butter Cups now at a store near you. Found wherever candy is sold. And I am. Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Huh. That sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. Oh, hey, it's your sister's new boyfriend, who you're quietly judging because of his cracked phone screen and bad shoes. Allie Ward, back with another episode of Ologies. If this is your very first episode, just a few things. We swear a whole bunch in this. We swear in a lot of them, most of them. If you wish we didn't, don't freak out. There are bleeped episodes of the podcast available at AllieWard.com. I'll put a link in the show notes. Moving the dang heck on. Okay, so freaking toads, what are they? And are they the best or are they the worst? Are toads the unsung underdogs? Are they warty friends yet to be made? Or are they bastards? Do they belong in a heap of canceled beasts who don't deserve our admiration? You'll find out. But first, business, in which I thank everyone on patreon.com slash ologies for their questions, for their patronhood, for making the show feasible and possible and just a joy to make. Also, thank you to everyone sporting Ologies merch from ologiesmerch.com and everyone who just gets it and knows that making sure that you're subscribed and rating the show helps us get seen by pre-ologites, people who don't know about the show yet. Also, thanks to the kind folks who are leaving reviews because you know that I read them when I'm in a hotel eating gas station food and they make my day. And so I read you a new one each week as a thank you. And this week, Justin D said, my grandma passed away recently and the only thing I could do to keep myself from crying was listening to ologies. Allie, you helped me laugh when I felt like crying. That's huge. Keep it up, my friend. Justine, I'm so sorry about your grandma. I'm sending you a hug. Everyone text your grandma. Does, if you, does your grandma text? If you have a grandma, text her and say, hey, Thanks for pushing out a baby that pushed out a baby. I, I don't know. You word it however you want to word it. Okay, buffology. Let's go down a toad hole. Let's get the hell into it. So buffology is a word that I did not make up, although it's seldom cited, to be fair. A 2011 reptile magazine article titled Ode to a Toad uses the term buffology 101, so I'm going with it. There's also herpetology, which is reptiles and amphibians. There's batractocology, which is the subfield that is just amphibians, which I may have pronounced wrong, but I tried to pronounce it so many times. But what if I want to do a frog episode down the line or one on newts? So I'm going buffology because it exists. People use it sometimes. Also, its root is bufo in the Latin for toad, which may come from a word meaning slimy plant, or it may also come from buffare, meaning to puff up, and buffoonery is a related word. It's debatable, like toads for some people. So where are you with toads? You know what? It doesn't matter, because in an hour and change, you'll be padding out to the backyard, a little bare feet with your coffee mug every morning, 
just hoping for a toad encounter. Just mark my words. Okay, so this ologist is wonderful. We tried to meet up so many times in the past year or so, but our travel plans kept hitting snags, and then this past week we both happened to be thousands of miles away from our respective homes. We were in Minneapolis on the same night. She was on a road trip, toad trip, and I was on this ology's Midwestern interview bonanza. So I used your Patreon money to get her a nice room in the same hotel, and with butterflies, I went down to it, kind of like a nervous Tinder date. She is a gorgeous soul. She's so funny and candid and enthusiastic about toads, and I love her, and I hope we are always friends. So if this is your first episode of Ologies, boy howdy, buckle up. Get ready to hear a scientist passionately describe a love of toads. She's so human, I cherish her. So she was once the program manager for the Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies, where she also served as a national coordinator for partners in amphibian and reptile conservation. Uh, she worked as a biological science technician for the U.S. Geological Survey in the Amphibian Research and Monitoring Initiative, and now works in the nonprofit ecology sector at Conservation Science Partners, but is still in the field, but out toting and salamandering and frogging and newting. But today, she is in a Minnesota hotel about to get super bufological with me. So hop on in to a conversation with amphibian enthusiast and bufologist Priya Nanjapa. See Priya. specifically that oh my gosh. you love. I know that, that, why did I open with a question that's, we could do a whole series on Oh it. yeah, there's so many things to love. <laughs> I know. I mean, so, I, oh, I was thinking about this because I knew you were going to ask me this and there's so many different ways I could go with this okay. question. But um, I think just in general, I tend to be somebody who likes the underdog, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the thing that people don't want to love, you know? <laughs> That kind of plays into my romantic life as well, too. But anyway, that's a whole other story. They're just so fucking cute. You know, like you just they're they're fat and they're like grumpy faced and you just know that they're really not grumpy or you want them to really not be grumpy, but they just they want to act grumpy. They want to act tough. They puff up. Priya studied wildlife biology with a minor in environmental studies at Iowa State University. And then she went on to get a master's in conservation biology at Ball University. And her work involved developing the first national database of amphibian distributions and maps, kind of like a census taker, just going up to tiny toad houses saying, hey, knock, knock, howdy, who, pardon? How many of you living in that log? I'd like to observe you eating bugs and doing the nasty. But what got her into it? I remember my first toad sighting, Mm -hmm. which was in my mom's garden Mm -hmm. in Iowa. And um, 
it just would like hop along the tomato plants and eat things. And like eventually we figured out that we could build a little toad hut like out of a pot, you know, and just put that in there and it would just, you know, go and hang out. And I was so sad on the days when I didn't see it. Like (laughs) I'm sure it was all seasonal, but I don't remember, you know, the specifics of it. And I do remember um, other people's houses where there'd be one like sitting under the gutter eating the flies and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I liked other critters too, but there was something about the toads that I just kept coming back to that I just kept like, I don't know, I just love them. They're just, they just have that face, you Mm -hmm. know, it's just that face. I love that you had a toad friend. Like the toad (laughs) was your friend. It kind of was my friend. (laughs) Her warty buddy got a toad abode and in return it ate all the bugs that wanted to eat their lettuces. It was a mutually beneficial relationship. Kind of like when you dog sit and then also while you're there, you eat all their snacks. And then I think we somehow like figured out or looked it up. You know, there was no, no internet back back in those days, (laughs) but we um, figured out that there was, that it was going to be a helpful thing. And so, yeah. And so that toad lived there. And I want to think that it's, was the same toad came back like year after year, but I know we definitely saw a toad in the garden at least a couple of years, but Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. They may be the great grandson of the original too. Oh my God, that would be just so delightful. That was true. (laughs) How long do they live? Um, Oh man, there's a variety of age ranges just depending on the species. I think probably 10 years, you know, five to 10 years is on average in the wild, I think. Wow. But there are some in captivity, I think, that, you know, have can live really long. They look ancient they, they look do. like they're in their 80s all of them look like wilford brimley <laughs> with like hairless and green they totally do, <laughs> so, totally wilford do. Brimley. <laughs> i'm wilford brimley and i'd like to talk to you for a few minutes about diabetes p.s wilford brimley was a tv star who was also known for his quaker oats commercials and for changing the american pronunciation of diabetes to diabetes. Diabetes. Also, I just looked up some facts about Wilford Brimley, and the one of the most stunning is he's very much alive. He's only 84 years old, which means that he was just 60 when he was playing like deep, deep grandpa genre roles. I respect him for just leaning into that. So toads, tiny grumpy grandpas. They are grumpas. Okay, but what makes a toad a toad? Straight away, what is the difference between a frog and a toad? Okay, so generally speaking, most frogs have like smooth skin. They tend to need a closer association with water or aquatic environments. Um, and then the toads that we traditionally know, you know, with the big kind of stout fat bodies and the warts and everything, they typically can be away from water longer and they don't need as much of that sort of direct moisture the way that frogs do. And then they also secrete these um, toxins from their skin. And so, yeah, and so like that's the biggest thing. There are some frogs that do that as well, but pretty much all toads um, have some sort of gland, you know, that they and they secrete some sort of bufotoxin. And so, bufotoxin, (laughs) bufotoxin, that's what it's called. Such a good punk band, (laughs) right? Yeah, that would be. (laughs) Is their skin thicker? And what exactly are the warts? Are they air quotes warts? (laughs) Um. That's a good question. These warts on toads are associated with these. They have um, mucus glands and granular glands, mm-hmm. but the granular glands are the ones that are responsible for the the toxic secretions. Oh, and it's for an anti predator defense, so that when anything you know grabs it, it just tastes bad and they spit it out. You mm-hmm. know, or sometimes they'll get sick. Some of the toads produce some pretty strong toxins. So all 
Toads are frogs. Okay. But not all frogs are toads. Oh, I love those. So, it's the old cactus yeah. succulent. Yes. Like all cactus are succulents, not yes. all succulents are cacti. Yes, exactly. Okay. And right. like in the amphibian world, there's like like newts, you know, like all newts are salamanders, but not all salamanders are newts. And newts are to salamanders like toads are to frogs, kind oh, of. I didn't know that. And, um, okay. Early lineages of toads are they look more frog-like. Okay. And so like over time that those different features, the more like stout bodies and the um, bigger warts and, and glands and things like that appear kind of later in evolutionary history. Uh, they came after frogs. So somewhere in that like Cretaceous Cenozoic mm -hmm. period, Ooh. they've been around. <laughs> oh geez, they're Wilford Brimley's. So side note, wonderfully British vertebrate paleontologist Darren Nash has written extensively on toad evolution and its many gnarled branches. And also, he has a pet cane toad named Milo, which looks like it can kick my ass. Anyway, more on cane toads in a minute. But cane toads, like frogs, have teeth, sort of. They have like little peg-like nubbins. But other toads do not have teeth. So to recap, toads are frogs and toads have no teeth. Yes, for warts. They've got a poison gland behind their eye called a paratoid gland, thought to have been like an adrenal gland, just gone bonkers. Oh, and another souped up special feature not available on the standard frog model. And then the other really weird thing is that toads have this, this thing called the bitters organ. Okay. Which sits like kind of between the kidneys and the gonads. And I think both males and females have them, but they're thought to be like a primitive ovary what? What? or like a, it's kind of like a spare set of follicles but the males have it too and so like in experiments in the lab they've removed the testes mm -hmm. like just castrated them and all of a sudden this bitters organ like is like oh okay time for me to come to, into play and then like it starts forming eggs and like no. yeah initially when i had learned about it i was thinking that maybe it would go you know it would like you know, create sperm or something in the males and over or eggs in the f females. But no, it just like always produces eggs. It has like follicles. And then the same thing with the female, like if one of the ovaries doesn't work, then it will start to come into play. But the the other interesting thing with the males is that like in some situations where there's estrogen mimic chemicals or like other chemical things that will like chemically castrate, mm -hmm. um, all of a sudden that organ starts taking off too what? and like it's named after the dude who discovered it but it always relates to eggs and oocytes mm. i think that means that um you know the ability to possess ovaries is probably like the original evolutionary mm -hmm. condition right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's that my would... story and i'm sticking to it i love it publish it i just peer-reviewed it <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it's up. Done. <laughs> no paywalls. Okay. Um, awesome. And then love it. what about their big, crazy, weird eardrum? Oh, so, well, so they, I mean, they, they do have that tympanum mm -hmm. and that's how they can hear each other sing their lovely songs. Mm -hmm. um, but those ones in those areas where they um, don't call, mm -hmm. they have like, they have lost their eardrums so they just you know do the waving thing or whatever and um and oh they they don't even need them anymore so they don't have them oh, I, so yeah but it's just that tympanic membrane it's kind yeah. of like in most frogs like have them it's that 
It's just like a little kind of like a drum head, you know, basically. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, sense vibrations from the calls of other, but they can sense, you know, they can tell the difference between their own species, obviously, and others. And yeah. What about their eyes? Is their eyesight good? Eyesight bad? What do you um, think? I've never I seen don't them in glasses. think they're supposed to have very good. I have never seen them in glasses. <laughs> either. They would look so good in glasses, though, so wouldn't they? Yeah. They would look so good. Like just some little hipster, like comes yes. some, you know, nice, like sort of thick frame glasses or those ones without the rims. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think they, I don't think they're thought to have like great eyesight, but I don't think it's bad. I think they can discern color though, because like some of the, like some toads are um, sexually dimorphic more than just the size. Like there is actually color differences. Mm-hmm. So kind of like in birds and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, so they must be able to have they must have some color vision, but I don't know. Yeah. Are the males bigger than the females? The or females are bigger than the males. Oh, by usually. a lot. Yeah, by a lot. Oh. Yes. Oh. Yeah, usually by quite a bit. Like if you see them mating, like it's just like this little tiny male <laughs> on top of this big old female. <laughs> it's just it always looks a little funny. Oh, and both have tympanums to hear sound, such as for example, the romantic, screamy love ballads mantoads make by inflating an air sac like a big extra chin, kind of like having a subwoofer on your face. Hey. So another thing that's really cool about toads is they have all like a lot more bony material in their skull. Like their or their skulls are like highly ossified, mm-hmm. and those crests and the shape of those crests and stuff are what you can use to distinguish species when they are like in the same area and you have a lot of similar looking little brown toads with mm-hmm. warts other than the warts per spot certain species yeah no it's yeah it's it's warts per spot so like in the like dark brown spot there'll be mm-hmm. like two or three warts if it's an american toad and then if it's a fowler's toad or something or woodhouse's toad they'll have more oh. in each like dark spot and then there's like the shape of the um, paratoid glands, which are the things that produce, like behind their eyes, that produce that more of the toxic secretion, and then those little crests and bosses and ridges and everything, like they, oh. yeah, that, that's how they differentiate themselves. But yeah, so they have these really cool skulls. Frogs don't have that. Oh yeah, you think of them as like the cavemen. They're actually the ones that came later. I'm gonna get a full toad back tattoo. Happen? <laughs> <laughs> there are toads on all continents, everywhere except. Australia, which right now is only being overrun by the invasive cane toad. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. Australia got a got a little bit ripped off on the toad card, yeah. and then they got payback. And then they I got guess. yeah, kind of yeah. And they they didn't used to be on Madagascar either, but now there's a different toad that is found on Madagascar that's also super invasive and no. yeah, wreaking havoc. So yeah, unfortunately, the toads that are finding their way to places where they never were are like the ones you just don't want <laughs> to, to be there. Okay, let's loop around back real quick and talk about cane toads, shall we? Okay, great. So these are these huge ass toads. They're also called marine toads, even though they're terrestrial. Linnaeus made like an oopsie daisy in the 1700s about their habitat. But the largest recorded one measured over nine inches long. They look like holding a big leathery pretzel roll, but with legs. And they are college stoner level hungry. They eat everything from like live bats, sometimes plants, to bugs, to dead animals, to just straight up garbage. Sometimes just literal, actual garbage. 
Most scientists report they seem to give few, if any, fucks, enabling them to get both large and in charge. They also have successful and very prolific mating strategies. So in summation, cane toads, they're like the Romans. They like to eat. They like to make love. And they're native to the Americas and even South Texas, but they now live all over the damn place because in the 1930s, someone was like, hey, I got an idea, see? Yeah, so I think it was like where they were growing sugarcane, they were they had brought them there to control like the bugs, you know, that were eating the sugarcane. Oh, and no. then, of course, you know, anytime you bring a thing to control the thing that you don't want, then that thing goes, you know, crazy. Yeah, so there are these big, beefy marine toads. And so they can live, they can tolerate like saltwater environments. But they also apparently can live all over the place, you know, on land. So they're like in vast swaths of Australia and all over Hawaii. They're in Florida now. How do you control a cane toad population? It's proving to be really difficult. Yeah, they have had some luck with, I want to say caffeine, like where they're like dropping caffeine or spraying caffeine. That has been effective in some places in knocking down the population. And I think just generally they try to go and like, you know, collect collect them up and then just, you know, euthanize yeah. them. So yeah, throw them in a volcano. Or something. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> no. pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, some parts of the world have a real cane toad problem. Also, the beetles that they were supposed to eat, they like to climb to the top of the sugar cane and the toads are like, it's too high. No reachy. I'll just eat this bird instead. So now Australia has a bunch of poisonous toads and sometimes people's dogs eat them and trip absolute balls or just die. Okay, but caffeine? Really? As an agent for toad assassinations? So, okay, what happens is concentrated caffeine when sprayed around by a professional eco-barista, if you will, causes amphibians to have heart attacks and they, well, they croak. Dad Ward really towed the line with that one, kiddos. Please don't stop listening. Okay, so concentrated caffeine, it gives them pretty much like lethal panic attacks, but one can spread coffee grounds in the garden and they might just get real buzzy and uncomfortable enough to just avoid the area. Kind of like how I didn't go into a Starbucks for a while after a venti induced anxiety meltdown. But this could also be just wicked mean to slugs and such because caffeine is a plant's natural defense against getting munched on by a lot of critters. Also, this sent me down a weird hole learning that a plant can poison itself with its own caffeine. So the leaves drop, the caffeine leaches into the soil, and the plant is like, oh, nuts. I brought this on myself. Now, okay, if killing animals makes you squeamish, you could always just exploit them for profit and become a drug dealer. So Country Farm Lifestyle website offered up the advice of painting chloroform on the belly of a cane toad until they start oozing milky poison, and then just like a pimple full of money, you can gently express their paratoid gland right behind their eyes. But watch your eyes, wear some cool steampunk goggles or something so you don't get splat into on the eyeball and then wind up really crying over spilt milky white poison. Also, quick aside, within this aside, aside-ception if you will, does Priya have a favorite toad? Yes, she has a soft spot. She has a soft, warty spot for American toads because they were the first she saw in the Midwest. But she did clarify that they no longer belong to the Bufo genus. North American toads are now classified Anaxorus, which sounds like a very cool rebrand, if you ask me. Bufo versus Anaxorus? 
Reminds me of the time my goth friend Ben wanted us to call him Sebastian, with an E on the end. But unlike Anaxorus, it didn't stick. I'm sorry, Sebastian. Sebastian? They're a little bit fatter, and their eyes are just a little bit more like... (laughs) Bulby, bulbous. So I really kind of fell in love with them. But there's some really pretty toads too. Like in the southwestern U.S., there are these green toads and then these red spotted toads. And they're just, yeah, they can be really pretty, especially in South America. Like I haven't um, seen like all the bouffant species, you know, that are down there. I mean, it would take, you know, millions of years. There's so many species of toads all over the world, but they are really diverse and interesting. P.S. How many species of toad are out there? hopping around and frowning. It's over 600. And some look like dead leaves with a face. And some are beautiful rainbow colors. Some we haven't even discovered yet right now. Just kicking it in a hollow, I think. Is that where toads live? Do they live in toad hollows? Do they live in little like cardboard spots and trees and stuff? Yeah, well, pretty much in burrows of mm-hmm. different sorts. Some of them can do a little bit of digging, but a lot of times they'll live in other, you know, mammal burrows and things like that. Okay, so for more on being roommates with a gopher tortoise, see the Testudinology episode with Amanda Hips. Also, I just tried to Google toads plus friends plus inner species, and I'll be honest, not much popped up. I guess it's lonely being horny and toxic. Oh, and if you've already heard the thermophysiology episode with Dr. Shane Campbell-Staten, you might know a little bit about wood frog antifreeze. But how do toads get huga, aka higgy with it, that Scandinavian word for cozy in the winter? Do they knit chunky turtlenecks and sip hot table wine out of a crock pot? Do they all peace out to condos in Florida when it gets chilly? What happens? They don't freeze like some frog species can totally freeze in the winter. Mm-hmm. Like they produce this antifreeze, um, but toads don't do that. They just go underground, like below the frost line, um, where it's just warm enough that they can survive through the winter. And right. they hibernate, but they, um, yeah, but they don't freeze, so they they just live underground. And I need you to settle something for me that has Uh-oh. been plaguing me for a long time. Okay. And you love toads. You've studied. Toads. I do. Yes. True or false? Toads have arms. (gasps) Yes, they do. Okay, thank you. (laughs) I don't feel like toads have four legs. I feel like they have two legs and two arms. They do. Toads have arms. They do have arms. I mean, they're like little Popeye arms, right? Like, couldn't you just see a little tattoo on those little forearms? They're so fat. And the males have fatter forearms on purpose, like to... Clutch on. Clutch, yeah, mm-hmm. on the ladies. Mm-hmm. And um, they, yeah, they have arms. Okay, thank you. And <laughs> tell me. You li- will see it like in different places and references about their their arms and like how they Really? So is that official? I'm going to say it is. Because I, I just cannot accept that those are legs. That's not how yeah. legs work. They're no, arms. yeah. Like they're not even really four legs. They really look like, yeah, they're, they're yeah. Like they're like little, little wrestler feet. arms. Yeah, totally. <laughs> They do. They do. They really do have. Yeah. Okay. That makes me feel better. Okay. So quick aside, I looked this up and they are called arms. They are called arms. I went into this thinking this was a battle. I had to fight. I was willing to die and leave my corpse on this hill that toads have arms. And instead, no one wanted to fight me. It's just a known thing. They have a humerus. They have a fused radius and ulna bones and four fingers just like us, the only thing they can't do is give me a knowing, appreciative thumbs up because technically their thumbs aren't opposable. Anyway, moving on. So Priya has done a lot of work with a lot of amphibians, 
namely salamanders, but her fieldwork helping collect toad data made her love them even more. Just a little ways into the season, the toads would come in and they would just be everywhere and they were just so fun to watch. And they just, you know, they have these big like orgies. And, <sighs> you know, just the eggs were everywhere and then the tadpoles would be everywhere. And there's probably at least a couple of sites where there probably was close to 100 toads and, you know, hopping across roads. But whenever we would see them, we would, you know, we'd measure them and determine the sex and just kind of look for overall sort of health of the animals. And we were doing that in general for the other critters, too, because we were finding some, in some cases, like some different malformations with some of the frog species. But we didn't really find that with the toads, which is interesting. We definitely saw a lot of them, you know, just, just out and about and just hopping along. You can really find them when they're breeding, you know, when they come to the ponds to breed. You'll find them like just hopping around in the woods, but just very randomly. Like once they once they come in and they do that and then they get out, they just are you don't really know like where they are, or what they're doing. And like I just imagine them like underground in their burrows, just having like little, you know, socials and, you know, like little <laughs> underground bars and just chilling out, you know, like all winter. And <laughs> are they solitary or do they or do they burrow with friends, do you think? Um I wonder if they have I think there are some records of them like in sharing burrows with other toads. And we actually found a, a multiple species like hibernaculum. But I do think that there are toads that will you know, share the same types of burrows. And then there are some places like where the soil is really sandy and they can just kind of shimmy down under the sand, <laughs> like especially in the more hotter environments. Because you know, in a lot of places in the southern U.S., both east and west, they're active pretty much year round. They don't really have much of a hibernation but mm-hmm. you know in the northern areas they do do they sleep? i don't know yeah do they sleep they do they do sleep um i've never seen a sleeping toad yeah i haven't seen a sleeping toad are they nocturnal or, or are they out in the day um when they first come out it's usually during the day and they will like just be singing their little hearts out no. like all during the day and then they they kind of shift to just calling at night and so you don't really hear them during the day but you'll see them out there sometimes and we definitely like when we'd go out in the field um to our sites during the daytime we would see the toads just everywhere and they weren't always calling by that point um but then if you came to the same pond that night you know they would just be singing like crazy yeah and so it was cool Ah, oh, listen to these beautiful sounds. That is nature's way of singing. I'm pretty horny. I'm over here. I'm ready to be a dad to thousands of kids I'll never meet. Once again, I'm very horny. Well, now, that's a fine horny toad, and I want him bad. P.S. Where does the word horny come from? I thought maybe I'd wander down a lush forest of buffological etymology. It turns out, horny toads aren't even toads. They're just another name for the horned lizard. They just call these spiky-necked southwestern lizards toads because they have kind of a stout body. So, good morning, world. We've been lied to for generations. Let's get back to our real friends, the toads, and their robust sexuality. Talk to me about toad romance. Mm, yes. You mentioned the word orgy. <laughs> let's revisit that. Yes, sure. Let's let's do that. <laughs> what is happening when toads oh all get together to make more toads? When toads start <laughs> wanting to get their freak on, they are <laughs> like so um, indiscriminate sometimes. Like they will... I've seen a toad um, amplexing a rock. Um, one time I was like taking temperature 
of the water and there were some toads nearby and this little toad hopped up and like grabbed onto my <laughs> fingers. They are so funny. And, um, and you know, they're, they, they get all territorial and they, you know, if they think like in that case, obviously they thought I was like, you know, I got to get on that thing. That thing looks like I <laughs> made that. But, um, but so sometimes, you know, they're just like, you know, defending their territory and they do that thing that, like I said, they puff up. And as I picked it up, like they do this little release call, like the American toads make this little like, like little <laughs> thing like that. Like a version of a car alarm. Let's hear that, shall we? Priya says that release call essentially translates to, oops, nope, I'm a boy toad. Please don't mount me, bro. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Like just little trill, like as I was holding it. And um, yeah, I fell in love a little bit more that day. <laughs> Blame you. Um, but it, um, they are just like, on everything and so and because the males are also really competitive to get the females there's usually like three or four on the females and we definitely would find sometimes like half drowned females and this happens with frogs other frog species too but like where the there's so many males that they basically are like weighing her down and then her head is like staying underwater you know they they breathe air so they like so she's getting drowned by all these aggressive fuckers so i know these (laughs) eager dudes i know on like I know. a number she's and like, she's just like look i yeah i got i got one and she's gonna squirt out some eggs and yeah. then they're just gonna go by and season them sort of well yeah and they do have external fertilization yeah. i mean that's you know part of the strategy is they're just sort of hanging out and then there'll be like ones that'll just be like sitting there like waiting you know for the <laughs> one to hop off so that the next one can hop on and okay tell me if i'm hallucinating is there a type of toad where the baby toads are birthed from holes in the back or is was that an American horror story? No, no, those are um those are a different family. So they're not bufonids, they're not true toads. They are called like uh the Suriname toad. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that oh man, that's like the craziest like reproductive strategy. They'll lay the eggs and they'll be fertilized and then they like scoop them up with their legs onto their back. And then their back, like the chemistry of the skin changes and it basically like absorbs the eggs into their back and then the skin grows over the back over the top of it it's like some serious sci-fi shit and then and then um when they get ready to hatch they hatch out as like little live it's not even tadpoles it's like little live baby toads and they just start cracking out of the mom's back it's so crazy that is such a horror show i mean it works for them and good for them right yeah but But, i mean and it's it's really cool though actually like we use that a lot in like outreach with kids mm -hmm. as an example of just amphibian like cool you know, adaptations that they have. And they're always like, ew, let's see it again. You know, so, but um, yeah, that one's a really freaky one. But yeah, th- those are not true toads, though. Those are those are in the Pipidae family. Okay. Pifonidae. Okay, so I looked this up. And as a person who has relaxed to dozens and dozens of videos of blackhead extractions and bot fly maggots under human skin, shout out to lepidopterologist Phil Torres for fostering one in his back recently. And my personal favorite, mango worm extraction. I found this Suriname toad thing revolting. First off, it just looks like a frog who's been flattened by a mallet, but came back as a muddy, angry ghost. The Suriname toad, scientifically known as Pipa Pipa, Pipa means kite because it's flat and pointy. It looks like an angular roast chicken breast with webbed feet and like a mesh tank top of skin is its back. It's riddled with holes, out of which flailing, squirming mini toads emerge in a fury 
like a jailbreak. It's a nightmare you cannot imagine. And if you have that fear of holes, whatever that's called, get a restraining order against the species. I have met my match. This is disgusting. Also, not even really a toad. It's an aquatic frog. Get out of here. Let's get back to toads. God, this was gross. I mean, beautiful, but very upsetting. Let's talk toad licking. Oh, yeah. Who's doing it and why? Yeah, there's a lot of people that are doing it, and they probably shouldn't be doing it. But yeah, so there's only one toad in the U.S. that produces that particular type of... It's a bufotoxin. You can't just, like, lick the toad. Um, You will not be very comfortable if you just lick the toad. Again, do not lick the toad. Why? Consider this story a PSA against toad basing. We were driving down this little golf course where another colleague of mine had these rattlesnakes telemetered, you know, tagged so we could track them. And I just saw this thing hopping along and I was like, what? Is that a bunny? And he was like, those are the Sonoran Desert Toads. And I was like, what? Those are those toads, the ones that you can lick? And he was like, oh yeah, those are those ones. And so then we like had to stop and we went and checked them out. He's like, okay, now you got to really wash your hands. Like here's some Purell and whatever. And like later on, I just like, I think I just kind of like rubbed my nose or did something like that and it was like really burning like just from from that little bit that was probably still on my hands and thankfully i didn't touch my eyes but like that can can be a real problem i think the indigenous people had learned how to basically harvest it and then i I think you have to dry it and process it a little bit before you can actually use it in those ways for you know to have the true hallucinogenic experience Mm -hmm. but yeah so you have to kind of milk them by stressing them out probably a little bit Pretty much, yeah. Just, but I think they just, they do have like a fair bit just on them. They're pretty gnarly. But yeah, I don't think it takes much to stress them out. You could see like certain toads, you can actually see the secretion. It's like this milky stuff coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to shit talk their moms. They're like, exactly. <laughs> comes flowing out. <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, so uh, there are these stories though that people like will do it in such a way that they can still get a high and keep the toad so that they can like kind of harvest it. And I'm sure, you know, people have studied like all of these different ways of how you can make it happen. But I have not experienced the, uh, the toad high. I wonder if people on YouTube are like, listen, Oh, here's what you do. I'll be I, looking. I'm sure you will. And I am, <laughs> I'm looking forward to learning more about that. Oh, you know, I will. Okay. So the Colorado river toad or the Sonoran desert toad, same thing. They're native to what's now Northern Mexico and the southwestern United States. So these produce a poison that has a form of the psychedelic substance DMT, which is produced in humans naturally, but like during a dream state and maybe when you die. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Do not go milking and licking it. That's not going to work. For thousands of years, indigenous cultures have perfected the harvesting and the drying and the smoking of this angry toad juice. And what is said to result is everything from like a powerful love and oneness with nature to feeling like dying and a rebirth to seeing geometric aliens chirping welcomes into another dimension. Did I mention don't lick a toad? Don't try this on your own. This is not a Pinterest DIY hack to diddle with on the weekend. Respect the culture, respect the history, respect the toad. What about toads in popular culture? How do you feel about the children's book series Frog and Toad? 
Toad, Toad, the sun is shining. The snow is melting. Wake up. Whoa, I am not here. Oh, my God. One of my favorite books, like, for real. Like, even before I really became, like, a Toad lover, like, it was just Mm -hmm. one of my favorite books. I just loved the little relationship that they had Mm -hmm. (laughs) and how Toad was always so grumpy. But, yeah, so I had Frog Frog and Toad are friends. And then that became the book that I gave all my friends when they started having kids and stuff. There's a lot of um, vilifying of Toads in pop culture, I feel like. You know, just the whole thing about getting warts from toads which of course you can't you can't you can't they're not viral it's just part of their uh, back yeah they're just they're just trying to protect themselves they're Mm -hmm. just trying to make sure that nobody eats them that's all and also stop licking them if you don't want to get any diseases (laughs) (laughs) I love a lot worse things you can get from licking a toad like salmonella (laughs) among other things among the other things is a strain of chlamydia and a bunch of bacterial infections I can't pronounce. So don't lick toads. No one wants to get toad chlamydia. You want to tell people you got toad chlamydia? Also, what is the state of the toad these days? How are toads? Do they need us? Do they hate us? I know that cane toads are having a heyday right yeah. now. It's the, it is the era of the cane toad. But how in general are toads faring these days? It depends. So some of the species of toads have been hit pretty hard by the chytrid fungus, the amphibian chytrid fungus, Patrachychytrium dendrobatidis. That's quite a mouthful. Or BD for short. In Central America especially, there's a couple of the Adelopus genus uh, species that have that are thought to be extinct. Uh, there's a golden toad that's in the Encilis genus uh, from Costa Rica that is, it was like their iconic toad species and they think that that's extinct. Oh no. I, I think there's, they've found like maybe a couple of individuals here and there of, of all of these different species, but yeah, but they're, they've gone extinct and it's because of this fungus, this fungal pathogen. So have you heard of like white nose in bats? Mm-hmm. So this actually came before and then like the, people in the white nose world like learned from that but it took the bd world the amphibian world like a really long time to figure out that it was this fungal pathogen it was described as a new species once they figured out that that's what it was but it's been responsible for uh well it's questionable but there's um there's a recent paper that says that there's like 500 species that have have declined um throughout the world on that because of BD, but there's some question about that a little bit. So at least most people say like around like 200 or so species that have declined or gone extinct specifically because of the impacts of of, of BD. And in the U.S. in particular, um, some of our toad species have been the ones that have been most impacted. So the bore- boreal toads, like I was saying, the western toads, um, and there's a um, Wyoming toad that's related as well. And it's, it just has a very small distribution in Wyoming. Um, and it's also been impacted. And so there's all these like recovery programs going on for those two toad species. They were raising them in captivity and, you know, having good success with that. But then when they put them back out in the habitat, they would die because this fungal pathogen remains in the habitat. So once it's out there, it's really hard to you know, to figure out like how you can get them back out there. So they're trying a bunch of different things to maybe see how they can, how they can help them to persist with it. Yeah. So disease issues are, are something that has impacted our, our toads. There's multiple strains that are being documented now. There was an out of Asia and an out of Africa hypothesis that were kind of competing for a while. And um, I believe they still have determined that it came out of Asia, but because of trade, is why this thing is moving around. And in fact, with BD, 
they would use those African clawed frogs. Do you know what I'm talking no. about? They're fully aquatic with claws. Like you, you'll see them like in Asian markets. Um, they're they're established in Los Angeles or somewhere down around there. Oh my god! Um, like in the wild, yeah. There's a population down there, um, and in a few other places in the U.S. But anyway, they were used as pregnancy tests. Wait, what? So these are not toads, but yeah, these frogs were used as pregnancy tests. And the what they would do is they would take a uh, they would have them in a doctor's office, you know, and then a woman who thought she was pregnant, they would take her urine sample and inject it into the frog. Mm-hmm. And if it laid eggs, <gasps> then no. she was pregnant. <laughs> and so, no, of course, after they were done with these frogs, they would just like chuck them outside. Oh, dear. Yeah. And oh, so no. many of these um, had those obviously came from Africa, but they were carrying this fungal pathogen and apparently can like they're resistant or they you know they can persist with it and so Mm -hmm. they were then spreading it to all the native species so this was an awful practice but at the time it seemed favorable to the older way which was injecting a live rabbit with prego pee waiting a couple days killing it and then examining its ovaries or or you could pee on wheat and just see how long it takes to germinate. So if you're ever in a position to pee on a drugstore stick, I guess just be glad you're not waiting for seeds to sprout or like actively murdering a bunny. Other than fungus and old-timey pregnant ladies <laughs> and I guess like really desperate fish fans, mm-hmm. what are the predators <laughs> of toads? Oh, there are various birds and snakes that will eat toads. Um Hognose snakes are kind of toad specialists. <laughs> the toxin doesn't seem to bother them, mm-hmm. so they're able to to manage with them. But crows, which are super smart, as you know, will like eviscerate toads and then just eat their gooey insides. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what I do with airport sandwiches is I just eat the middle. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I do too because I try not to eat as much bread anymore. So I just eat like the, the cheese and the... Sometimes I'm like, I'm going to fall asleep if I eat this whole pretzel roll. I'll just eat the inside. Oh, my God. So So you eviscerate your sandwiches. Yeah, it's the same way. (laughs) So they just unzip them in the belly. Pretty much. Yeah, they just go for the little soft part right there. And they just like, you know, pack them open. And just, I mean, like, and it's sometimes it's like you can see it's like a little shirt. That has been removed. You know what I mean? Like I've seen some toads out there where they, they've pulled off the skin in such a way that it looks like they're just stuck with their shirt like up, up, up over their head. You know what I mean? And, oh my God. <laughs> and, we, and raccoons will do that a little bit. Sometimes like they'll, they'll bite off like the head or the legs and then spit them out. And then they'll just like, you know, claw out or suck out the insides. And so we'll see these like half eaten toads and stuff in the breeding season, especially because, you know, they're like, woo, smorgasbord is here. <laughs> God, it's like a, it's like a shrimp a cruise ship. Exactly. Going for it. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay. Now, toads in pop culture. Toads. Are there yeah. any, any toads in movies? That oh, give there's them this a bad whole like cane toad movie. Do you not know about this toad no, movie? Oh my what god. Is it? You have to. I. It's like Attack of the Killer Toads or something. I think. <laughs> oh my god. You, if you look it up, you'll find it. But it's okay. all about these cane toads, and it's it's hilarious. It's like such a great like classic B movie. When I'm driving a car, I have no hesitation at running over them whatsoever. I couldn't do without them. They're friends. (laughs) 
So she's talking, I think, about the very cheesy 1988 documentary, Cane Toads, An Unnatural History, which I would very, very much like to just kick back and watch. These cane toads, man. I had no idea. I think the biggest toad, cane toads are the biggest toads. And they can, like, I think the record is like three pounds or something like that. It's an absolute unit of a toad. Yeah, completely. (laughs) Um, Would you ever keep one as a pet? No, you know, everybody asked me that and I never, I never have. So no, no pet toads for Priya. She prefers to see them hopping about and just enjoying the wild, having their orgies. One of which was recently captured as 10 cane toads at once were riding a python bareback in Australia. It looked like toads on the subway, home from work. But what was really happening was not commuting. The python just didn't have that release call chirp, if you know what I'm saying. But let's say you'd like to have more outdoor pals and you're not a python. How can you make your backyard a haven for toads? So you turned over a pot in the garden and then did you carve out like a little toad door no like you just i i think i actually like i you they have this stuff like at the nature centers like these little guidance type things but you can like bury a pot like halfway so that it's Uh like becomes like a little tunnel you know what i mean you can find these little like designs that are um out there for these little toad homes and they even make like actual like terracotta toad homes like yeah so do yourself one favor today and look up the hashtag toad abodes oh what a sight What a sight for sad hearts. Just all kinds of pottery in the shape of mushroom houses, toads, roadhouses, little ceramic cottages for warty locals. Several times a day since seeing that, I just stare off. I think of all the toads and all the little houses all over the world taking a snooze. All right, let's pepper Perio with some questions. Are you ready for Patreon questions? I think so. But before I ask the questions that you submitted, patrons, a few quick messages about sponsors of the show who make it possible for us to make a donation each week to the cause of the ologist choosing. So this week, Priya requested a donation to be made to the Amphibian and Reptile Conservancy to support inclusivity and diversity initiatives in amphibian and reptile conservation. So thank you, Priya. Also, if you like ologies, I think you would dig a podcast called Gastropod. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's about the science and history of food, and it's hosted by two lovely women. I just wanted to give them a shout. Um, they go on these deep dives into the most curious topics. They visit the world's most advanced model gut at dinner time. They take you on a quest to figure out where microbes and sourdough come from. They figure out whether science can speed up the very magical process of aging whiskey. So in short, they're just obsessed with finding surprising science behind the food we eat every day. So you can find Gastropod and subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. We just thought that you guys might like each other. Okay, sponsors. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Some things should be boring, like banking. Boring is safe and reliable. You don't want your bank to be exciting or unexpected. Unexpected is for podcasts about bizarre scientific revelations, not banks. PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. 
PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Inc. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Merrick Pet Care. And y'all know I have a little dog named Grammy, which is short for Gremlin. And y'all help me name her. And there's nothing that we like more than seeing her happy, which means tasty dog foods. And Merrick has been crafting high quality dog food for over 30 years. They were founded in Hereford, Texas, but Grammy doesn't care about that. She cares about smushing her face in it and then licking the bowl. And I don't blame her because they use real ingredients and home style recipes like real Texas beef and sweet potato or Grammy's pot pie. Grammy's like, Grammy's pot pie. Get away from it, it's mine. I also like that on the bag, they show what's in it. And they always use deboned meat, fish, or poultry as the number one ingredient. And I think Grammy appreciates that. So check out Merrick online or in your local pet store and look for their new packaging with real ingredients shown on the bag and inside it. Yum, 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 yum. Oh, KiwiCo. We love you. Kids love you. Parents love you. Uncle Allie's love you. Here's the deal. So whether you're staying at home or you're heading out on some summer explorations, KiwiCo is inviting kids, also kids at heart, that's you, to enjoy their first ever summer adventure series. So kids from two years old to teens can receive six hands-on science and art project kits over six weeks. They have something for everyone. They have different topics for each age, whether your kid wants to explore space or learn about dinosaurs. And I've heard from my parental friends that summer can be a little challenging to keep the kids busy. KiwiCo's like, we did the legwork for you. And the Summer Adventure Series is this personalized experience with super fun activities like a bottle rocket kit where kids can build an actual bottle rocket. And you can either receive all of your summer adventure crates at once or weekly for six weeks. I think it's so amazing that they have different crates for different ages. Everything from the great outdoors that has like giant bubbles or a window garden to a trebuchet kit for ages 9 to 14. An entrepreneur where you can do textured clay projects. If you have kids, if you know kids, keep them occupied and learning and having fun this summer with KiwiCo. And you can get 20% off your summer adventure series at kiwico.com slash ologies summer. That's 20% off your summer adventure at kiwico.com slash ologies summer. Oh, have fun. Oh, it's heating up. It's time to say bye now to your jackets and your sweaters and your tights and get reacquainted with shorts and tees, breezy things. Can I point you to the direction of Quince? What I love about Quince, you can build a lineup of timeless pieces. They keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year without spending a fortune. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts. They start at $30. They have washable silk tops. And I love that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands because they partner directly with top factories. They cut out the cost of the middleman and then they pass the savings on to you. So whether you need a sundress you can wear to a picnic or you need some good t-shirts or tanks that feel nice on your skin and are well-made, head over to Quince. I love them so much I put them on my body. That's what clothes are for. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash ologies for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. (gasps) That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ologies to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ologies. All right, your questions. All right, Patreon questions. We got a ton. Okay. Really? Yes. 
That quickly? Yes, because oh Toads God. are the best. Oh, my God. Um, okay. Okay, Jack Kelleher asks, life cycle of a toad, same as, similar to a frog, or do they live longer or shorter than a frog, do you think? Oh, well, I think it depends on the species. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some frogs live pretty long, some some toads live pretty long, but, but you know, kind of on average in that sort of five-ish, seven-ish, you know, ten-ish range mm-hmm. of years. But life cycle, yeah, very, fairly similar to a frog, because, you know, they are frogs. They are um, a frog. Yeah, so they will, like, mostly on land until it's breeding season you know or like be hibernating or, or whatever and then they'll come to the ponds for that breeding season they'll call attract their mate um there are some toads that don't call and they're oh my god i can't believe there are some toads that will do that leg waving thing you know have you ever what? seen that oh my god no. you have to yeah so they like in these like stream environments where it's so loud because of all this stream noise um, they have evolved this, like they just, they literally take their back leg and they just like <gasps> go like this. Priya, by the way, is laying on the hotel room bed doing a move that looks like part synchronized swimming, but also part shipwreck victim. <laughs> and I think in some of them it's their front leg maybe too, but they anyway, or their arm. Arm. Yeah. And they, <laughs> they just like, they're like, Hey, I'm over here. <laughs> oh my God. Like hailing a cab. Yes. Oh my and then some, you know, chick toad is walking by and she's like, oh, oh, okay, I see. All right. I never knew are. that they did that. Yeah. So there are, so anyways, I kind of digress there. But yeah, so generally speaking, they attract their mate. The mate, you know, the female comes over and they, you know, do the deed and they have um, mostly external fertilization. There's a couple of exceptions. And then... You know, they lay their eggs and, and mostly most of the species like lay a lot of eggs. Maybe you'll have a pretty decent amount of the eggs that'll hatch into tadpoles. But then like the tadpoles are food for all sorts of stuff. Mm, delicious. Oh, my God. Have you ever seen like all the little toadlets popping no, out? Of- are oh they really God. called toadlets? Yes. Oh, God. Toadlets. That's and they are they are so tiny, but they're just like they're the cutest freaking things. Mm, Frederick Roy wants to know, are there any studies on the possible medical applications of toad toxins? Yes. I don't know the details of them, but I know there's some study on how it affects heart rates. And there's kind of like a steroidal element to it. And I think like the in the cocktail, there's also like epinephrine and, you know, components and things like that. And so in uh, animals, and other things that have like experienced the toxin coming into contact with the toads, like they have these like extended periods of fast heart rate, or sometimes they have like a really slowed heart rate. And so I think they're studying like, maybe there's a way to kind of like hone that in. There's some cool stuff going on with that. P.S. I gave a quick Google just to make sure. And yep, sure thing. Plenty of research being done on toad toxins as anti-inflammatory agents, cardiac activity regulators, and anti-cancer agents. So the future is toads. I'd love to see a prescription pad that just had just said toad. <laughs> toad. Lick yeah, toad. Sketch, Two licks toad. a day. <laughs> Call um, me in the morning. Heather Albrecht says, what are toad communities like? I always see toads on the ground blazing their own trails, but then there's always another little guy not too far away. Do they reconvene at the end of the day in communal housing if they survived my lawnmower? Or do they battle it out for prime resources? Do they have friends, do you think? They all come together for the breeding season. 
but they're not really like friendly, you know, they're like mm-hmm. all competing during that time. And it is true that you do tend to see them together. And I think that is probably because they, they must like hang out together wherever they're, you know, overwintering or hanging out during the hot months or something. Um, Maybe they're in the mm. same hibernaculum, which yeah. is my new favorite word ever. <laughs> I'm like, literally, I'm going to get a, a sign from the bedroom just called the hibernaculum. <laughs> yes, it's the perfect it's the perfect name for the bedroom house. Um, Jana Mae Purrington wants to know, why does everyone think toads are so much grosser than frogs? I don't know. I don't that know. is such a good question. I think it's because of the warts. You know, yeah. people just think, oh, gross, it's all warty and they don't want to touch it. But... <laughs> You know, they're just so, like, if you just actually look at a toad face, you know, I mean, they're just so cute. So expressive. So expressive. And, like, you you just, you kind of know where they stand. (laughs) And I just, I love that. They're just. Toads do not suffer fools. They do not suffer fools. Yeah. Uh, Ira Gray wants to know, why do toads pee on me when I pick them up? Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) You're like, yeah, that happens. That happens all the time. I've got (laughs) so much toad pee on me. Um, It's just a defense mechanism. You know, they just don't. They were like, hey, maybe if I pee on you, you'll let me go. I mean, who hasn't tried that in a meeting you wanted to leave? But, you know, they, just from sitting in a, in a little puddle of water or something, like they can absorb up enough water. So it's, um, unless it's been really dry, like you're not really, it's, it's, you don't have to worry too much about it. But Mm -hmm. if you're finding a toad like out in the middle of the woods and you pick it up and then it pees on you, then you might've kind of, um, made its life a little bit harder for a little while. Give a little cap full of water. Let it just sit. Yeah. Just put a little, just pour a little bit of your water into a little, bowl and just just like plop it in there let it just reabsorb some more <laughs> i love that they do that yeah um okay. sarah terry wants to know what what do you think is the most poisonous one ever or rather that's a good question because like there's you know the different toxin cocktails in mm-hmm. these these bufo toxins um i think the cane toad is pretty toxic yeah i don't know if it's the most toxic though that's a it's a good question but i know that that genus that rhinella genus i think a lot of those have like pretty strong toxins mm-hmm. i think the insilis maybe do, does too and that's the genus of the the sonoran desert toad the mm-hmm. one that is the hallucinogenic one shoot i don't think i've said this yet but don't lick toads sarah peck would like to know if you know any toad related magic spells <laughs> i'm sure you know somebody. um so in macbeth that same like double double toil and trouble mm-hmm. poem at the beginning of it it talks about a toad and like put that in the pot first. Toad that under cold stone for days and nights have 31. They're basically trying to get the toad toxin into their little witch's brew. But also, I'm sure there are other toad poems. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I'm going to look up some toad witch spells. I'm yes. sure there's a ton. So I just did a little tippy tapping. And according to some very helpful occult website, during medieval times, toads were seen as satanic creatures. And folks thought that witches could like magically cosplay as toads and then go poison people and just cause general toad-related mayhem. Although, now that I'm thinking about it, that Disney frog prince fairy tale of a woman kissing a frog and then turning it into some well-groomed and presumably fiscally stable man was maybe just a parable about a hallucination. Who knows? Moving on. Alpeca Paca wants to know, is there a humane way to get rid of cane toads or not? Nah? <sighs> I know. Yeah. 
Um, probably the most humane way is if you could like just collect them all up and like, I don't know, freeze them or something, yeah. you know, like they like slowly, slowly turn the temperature down, <laughs> yeah. totally, totally freeze. I don't know. Just go to yeah. sleep. Sleeps, just go to right? sleep. Yeah. Oh, there are, you know, they actually, you know, I don't know. There's this thing that we used to use, um, when we were either getting ready to preserve critters like for, um, pickle jars and it's this stuff called MS-222 which I think is like regulated differently now but it's it's kind of like a cocaine relative no, and you just like God. you you would sprinkle a little bit into like a jar of water and you put the toad or frog or whatever in and like after a little while just like oh. <laughs> and so if you put in more then it'll feel that way just before it dies and so then oh. it's kind of a peaceful death so yeah if but there you probably couldn't do that very easily with especially the cane toads as big as they are you'd have to get like big vats of that you just have to <laughs> like literally get like a piles and piles of kilos of ms222 ms222 you need a dealer uh <laughs> laura kinney wants to know do toads travel far from their burrow or wherever a, whatever a toad home is called to forage or find a mate how's their commute what's a toad commute like uh, you know i think generally speaking they're thought to be not um that they, they don't move that far oh. but there was recently um one of my colleagues in Utah was tracking these Western toads and found that they moved like five or six miles, which, you know, a toad that hops, yes. like that's a long ass way, like between where their breeding site was and mm -hmm. where they, I think, were hanging out like in the winter. Because you know, they'll go back to the same ponds where they emerged to go breed. Aww. And so when those habitats got fewer and far bet farther between, like if they went back in their pond that they know was not there, they'll usually just go a little bit further until they find the next thing. And so probably like over time, these animals have developed the ability to go that far. And especially the ones in these montane habitats, you know, like there are a lot um, fewer areas, you know, and a lot more ground to traverse between ponds. That was one that I remember was like pretty striking. Like I just learned that a couple of years ago that, um, those particular ones were able to do that. And I, I'm pretty sure that there's nothing in the literature that suggests that they do go they, that far. Do they have a homing device? How are they finding the same ponds? Yeah. I think they believe it's a little bit both like astrological as well as um, chemosensory. And they're able to like, you know, smell their home ponds basically and go back. Yeah, oh, that's that's, so that's true of a lot of of amphibians in general. Like they they tend to go back to the same, and actually, a lot of reptiles as well. Like they'll they'll kind of they have sight fidelity. With oh, their, I didn't know that's what it was yes, called. Yes. Oh, um, <laughs> Megan Janelle Leshen asks: In your opinion, what type of toad has the most beautiful mating call? Oh, oh man. <laughs> and and says some of the best sleep I've ever had took place at a little cabin in northern Wisconsin and I specifically remember the toad songs yeah. being extremely calming I do really love the American toad call it's just that long trill it's mm -hmm. so pretty have you heard it no Priya offered to do a toad trill and I said yes please Oh my god! But that one is a very soothing one. Like, um, there's another relative, the Woodhouse's toad or the Fowler's toad. They sound like a woman or a child being murdered. Seriously, oh, like no. I have been out in the woods with other herpetologists, and we're like, oh my god, oh, no. there's a woman in trouble. 
And we're like, oh, no, shit. That's just a Fowler's toad. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> just horror toads. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, so those are the not soothing ones. In all of this praise of toads, mm-hmm. something's got to suck. They've got to be a dick to someone. What is wrong with a toad? There's got to be something you dislike about toads or about just in general toading. <laughs> Toad tripping. Um, I mean, I think the worst quality of a toad is <laughs> that they just, they try to be so tough. Like just, <laughs> just admit it. Like, you're just a soft little sweet thing. Like, just admit it. You know, this is what I'm, this is again, like, where the my romantic life kind of comes from. But, um, like, I know you're trying to be all tough and badass, but you're not. You're not all that tough and badass. Like, just be soft. Just be, it's okay that you're soft. I see your soft belly. It's all good. All right, Mr. Tough Guy. I don't what know. about the fact that you got sexually assaulted by a toad? Oh, well, see, that's also, yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty aggressive. I love that that's so forgivable. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, no, that's, that's pretty bad. You're right. Um, what else, though? I think. When you're out toad hunting. Toxins. Yeah. Well, the toxins. But what about when you're out toad hunting? Are you out there in the middle of the night? Are you, are you slopping around in boots? Oh, yeah. In, in boots at night, headlamp, trying to like take the females heads out of the water so that they don't die <laughs> yeah when you're out when you're out frogging and toting at night and you're in hip waders and boots do you bring along like a thermos of hot tea or anything <laughs> what are the creature comforts out there well you know once it gets to be around toad season like the nights are relatively warm or at least okay. they were out in maryland um so yeah, so it was kind of nice being out at night, you know, mm-hmm. it was like those like sort of warmish nights. I mean, there were definitely some days like one of my friends and I um, in grad school, we would just like, we wouldn't even wear boots. There was these like mucky <laughs> ponds and we would just take off the waders because they would get stuck in the muck and we would just go barefoot in like in shorts <laughs> and and just like, yeah, just kind of like become one with the toads and they would be like all around you and other frogs and stuff too. And then you get to see like things swimming in the water like turtles. And now, uh, do we say favorite thing about a toad? So hard to pick. Do you have a favorite thing? The one thing about a toad that you love the most or about your job as a herper? Oh, what is my favorite thing about a toad? I don't know. (laughs) There's just, I just, I just love their little bodies. Their little, that classic toad shape (laughs) and just the little hop and the, the face, you know, just that little classic toad face okay. you're gonna get all these comments afterwards like oh my god i can't believe she didn't say about this shitty thing that a toad does like I'm, no oh my god but speaking of that though mm-hmm. they do like so they pee but you have to look up a toad pooping what's like, the deal they're they have the biggest shit like they poop out these logs that are seriously like a third to a half of their body length I'm telling you, it is the craziest oh, thing. No. I've only seen it once. <laughs> only once? Like, in the wild. But, like, videos, yeah. You have to Google that. Oh, of course I looked this up. No, I mean, I think they just eat a lot <laughs> in one sitting. And then they, like, hop around. And then all of a sudden, like, the one that I saw, like, it started just doing this weird, like, crunching thing. You know, <laughs> kind of like a dog gets ready to poop. And, like, it... And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, my God, it's pooping. And then this thing, like, just kept fucking coming out and it was this huge ass shit like yeah you have to see (laughs) oh boy oh boy oh boy okay 
I guess if you take nothing else away from this episode, it's just that toads make turds. I, of course, I sought out video proof and was instantly furnished with some YouTube gems, such as one titled Toad Pooping a Giant Turd. Look at the size of that load, man. It's a big turd. Oh my God, dude. It's like like he's laboring it out. It's almost like he's giving birth or something. And yet another small film called Toad Taking a Massive Shit. How can one toad poop so much? It's an impossible seeming volume. In human scale, you would easily need a second toilet. Let's move on. And you are my favorite bufologist. You're my favorite (laughs) toad lover on the planet. Um, I'm the only one you know, aren't I? (laughs) That is true, but you're also my favorite. (laughs) So ask smart people stupid questions and follow Priya Nanjapa on Twitter at TotallyPriya, T-O-A-D, a-L-L-Y Priya. And also you're going to want to follow her on Instagram at Wild Beautiful World because she mentioned she might get a toad tattoo on her toe and that then she would be tattooed. Follow her and love her. Okay, links to those accounts will be in the show notes and they'll be up at my website at alliward.com slash ologies. Um, I'm at ologies on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at alliward with one L on both. And if you're looking for less adult science content, I'm also on the Netflix show Brainchild, which is a science show. I host the CW science show, Did I Mention Invention? I'm also on Innovation Nation with Mo Rocca on CBS every Saturday morning. So thank you also to Aaron Talbert and Hannah Lippo for adminning the Ologies podcast Facebook group. Thank you, Shannon Feltis and Bonnie Dutch for all of your super hard work making the Ologies merch site run. You can get merch and tag it Ologies merch so I can repost you on Instagram on Mondays if you like. Thank you to assistant editor Jarrett Sleeper of Mind Jam Media, who also helped with a bunch of research this week. And of course, to Stephen Ray Morris, host of the Kitty Podcast, the Purcast, and the Dino Podcast, see Jurassic Right, for his cane-do attitude. Uh, the theme song was written by Nick Thorburn of the band Islands. And if you stick around to the end of the episode, you know I tell you a secret. And this one is I still feel bad for shit-talking that non-toad with the skin that erupts in babies. But I'm just telling you, I can watch mango worms all day long. I could watch hours of mango worms, but that got me. That got me, fam. Okay, toodaloo for now. Oh, also, guess what next week is? Mycology kiddos, mushrooms. Mark your calendars. Okay, bye-bye. Don't lick toads. Pachydermatology, homeology, cryptozoology, lithology, nanotechnology, meteorology, For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call 
text or chat. 988 for free confidential support anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.